Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to a Tuesday afternoon edition of the Chase Thomas podcast, where I am joined by a first timer, Stacy Blackwood. Stacy, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Man, I'm great. How about you, Chase? Not too bad. Do you know any other Stacys? Like, not a lot of. Not There's a, not many. No, uh, actually, I. Actually, I actually have a, a cousin, a distant cousin, who is also a male, and his name is Stacy. <laughs> Spelled the same way? Uh, no, uh, I have an E in my name, and he doesn't. Okay. So, yeah, <laughs> that's that's the difference. But uh, I'm actually named after a former Alabama player. Uh, he played running back at Alabama, you know, by the time I was born. His name was Saran Stacy, mm-hmm. and uh, so my, my parents named me after him. So uh, that's, that's kind of where that come from. Is that the only... Alabama player that anyone in your family is named after. Yes. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. No Brody Croyles in the family. No, no, none of them. <laughs> okay. I have a cousin. We had a few dogs named Brody. <laughs> there you go. I have a I, I have a cousin named Peyton. Um, you're not going to believe this. Uh, after Peyton Manning. So <laughs> there. Uh, I I understand where you're coming from. I wonder if that's just like a Southern thing. I'm not. I'm not really sure. Um. But yeah, uh, well, we're going to be talking about this Alabama football team this fall. Um, it, it, the SEC West, I'm just so fascinated by. The East is really a two-team race, three-team if you really, really believe in Kentucky this year. Um, but the, the West is more open, I think, than we've ever seen it. And I think that is an interesting thing because there's growing pressure in College Station, especially with Texas coming um lsu there's all kinds of pressure to bounce back there um old miss might have the best quarterback in the west um this fall there's just and i mean espn's fip index loves mississippi state um there are just there are just storyline after storyline and that's not even mentioning auburn in this um, which i am i'm sure you're okay with but (laughs) i i want to start with this alabama team bryce young how ready based on what you've seen this spring and this summer, how re- how sure are you that he is ready to get just to pick up where Mac Jones left off and replacing the best Alabama offense of our lifetime? Well, I, th- I think it's going to be a little different offensively for Alabama this year, uh, you know, simply because of all the weapons that were lost. Uh, you mentioned Mac Jones and, and Bryce is going to be replacing him, but, you know, you're, you're replacing two first round wide receivers, a first round offensive lineman uh, in Alex Leatherwood, and then a first round running back in Najee Harris. So uh, it's maybe not so much about is Bryce Young ready, but are the players around him going to be ready? And uh, there's there's three guys that are going to be kind of new along the offensive line, uh, going to have to replace the guys out wide, like I mentioned in Waddle and Devontae Smith. But as far as Bryce Young goes, you know he come out of high school as you know the top quarterback prospect. Uh, he has. You know, he has all the tools to, to be a, a great college quarterback, uh, not the ideal size. But in today's landscape of, of football, you've seen players, uh, you know, that are built like Bryce Young have success. You know, whether that's Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, you know, Baker Mayfield isn't the biggest guy. So uh, that doesn't really concern me. He can make all the throws. Uh, he has plenty of accuracy. He's athletic. Uh, he can, you know, move around in the pocket. Uh, but as far as what I've seen from him, uh, it, it's it's kind of too early to tell. I mean, if you want to say for sure, but I feel like uh, he has all the talent that that can lead to a successful season, you know, in Tuscaloosa this fall. What have you seen specifically about his skill set that intrigues you most this fall? I think he's just a very instinctive football player. Uh, there was a play in the in the uh, spring game where uh, he, he connected with a tight end for a 50 yard touchdown pass, and uh, the the pocket was kind of collapsing. Uh, him and the running back had a you know miscommunication on which way the fake was going to go, uh, so he had to just slide up in the pocket, just a subtle move, but it was just an instinctive move. And then he delivered the ball to, to Cameron Latou in stride, you know, where he could turn up the field and run for a touchdown. Just his instincts within the pocket uh, in just the game of football, I think that's going to, you know, pay dividends, especially when you're breaking in that new offensive line and new skill players. How nervous are you about the offensive line heading into this fall? 
Uh, I, I would I would be lying if I if I said I wasn't nervous uh, because it, it is uh, you know you're losing you know I, we mentioned Alex Leatherwood is gone a first round pick to the to the Raiders uh, Landon Dickerson who I believe was probably the heart and soul of the team last year uh, having to replace him at center but but the good thing you know at Alabama the guy who's replacing Landon Dickerson at center is a guy who has been at Alabama for five years now and Chris Owens so he's. He started some games at Alabama. He started the playoff games for Alabama after Dickerson went down with the knee injury in the SEC championship game against Florida. Uh, and then, you know, Evan Neal is back. You could make the argument he's the best tackle in college football, uh, possibly going to be a top 10 pick next year in the draft. Uh, so so the pieces are there. But, you know, everyone knows that that watches football, knows that continuity is, is the biggest aspect and the biggest factor when you're looking at an offensive line. And that, that just takes experience together. And that takes experience in a live, you know, live bullet, live game action. So it, it's not going to be surprising to me if it takes a couple games for this offensive line to start to gel and build chemistry. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm a little bit, you know, nervous. But but fortunately, I think Alabama, you know, looking ahead, I think, you know, th- they have more talent than the, the first couple teams that they're going to play. So I think they can may get by with it. But, you know, looking at that schedule, that third game, they travel to Gainesville. So that's kind of when you're going to find out what this team's made of. Um, John Mechie, is there any chance that he is not the leader in targets and receptions this fall? Uh, I, I, the only way I would say he's not the leader is if he, you know, if he had an injury. I, I think he's a guy who uh, is. You saw last year when he was really that third option. That that Texas A&M game is when he broke out, which I believe was the third game of the year. Uh, you know that Texas A&M really wanted to take out Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith and. Uh, you know, John Mechie just just went off for nearly 200 yards receiving in that game. And, you know, it, a lot of people don't realize, but he almost had a thousand yards last year uh, as a receiver. So I, I think I think that Bryce is going to lean on him and maybe some of the tight ends like Jaleel Billingsley and Cameron Latou to start the year as he's getting his feet wet. But, yeah, John Mechie is a guy that I'm really excited to see him take on that role as the number one target for, for Bryce Young. Is it going to be Josh Job and Jalen Armour Davis at the two corner spots, or do you think Armour Davis doesn't have that opposite starting corner spot locked up? Yeah, I, I think that's probably the one of the most interesting, you know, position battles in camp right now. I would say the right right tackle position, and then the corner spot opposite of Josh Job. Uh, right now, uh, Jalen Armour Davis is the guy, but you know, there's a couple true freshmen that are you know putting some heat on him, and, and Terry and Arnold and, and Kool Aid McKinstry. And uh, I think as far as pure upside, either one of those guys probably has more upside than what Jalen Armour Davis has. But, you know, he's a a junior now, a redshirt junior, actually. So this is his fourth year on campus. He knows the defense. I'm sure he's comfortable with the defense. So that that means something as well. But, uh, you know, you can't substitute talent. So it's not going to surprise me if we see Kool-Aid McKinstry uh, sometime pretty soon in this season. So I I would would project that that Kool-Aid McKinstry is going to be the starting corner opposite of Josh Job. Hmm. Interesting, because yeah. Saban's been pretty mole on uh, who's going to get that opposite spot. It seems like he's been very upfront about Joe, but um, that other yeah. spot is still up in the air. Um, I'm curious, how is Henry Totoa fitting in with this defense as someone who's watched almost every snap of Henry Totoa's college career? Um, it's going to be very sad to see him down the crimson and white this fall, uh, but... I, I can't not root for Henry Toto. Like I'm, it's gonna bother me less than seeing Eric Gray just dominate in <laughs> Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley's game. That's gonna bother me a lot more as a big Eric Gray guy and just uh, letting him get out of there. And um, our one-two punch right now, we're gonna be running with. With I know you're shaking in Tuscaloosa with um, Jabari Small and uh, Deion Evans. So um, just watch out, folks. Watch out. Um, <laughs> But what about Toto? What do you what have you seen thus far, and how do you think he fits in this fall? Well, it, it's fortunate that he he come from a Jeremy Pruitt system, so the the learning curve is is not really that drastic for him as far as the scheme that he's having to learn there in Tuscaloosa. But from all indications, he is he is fit right in. He's a natural leader, which is something that that this album of defense really needs. Uh, the talent is there, but you know a guy at the inside linebacker position to to make the calls 
to lead the defense. And from all indications, the defensive coordinator Pete Golden mentioned in his you know his preseason press conference that uh, he he has really surprised the coaching staff at how much of a leadership role that he has kind of taken on, you know, no longer than he's been there. So I think the addition of Henry Toa Toa could really, you know, put this defense over the top and, and, and really make ha, give them a chance to be, you know, one of the best defensive teams in the country. The biggest difference uh, in the Bill O'Brien versus Steve Sarkeesian slash Lane Kiffin offensive scheme will be what? Well, the scheme itself is not going to be, uh, you know, a whole lot different. Coach Saban mentions a lot that the scheme doesn't really change. Uh, whoever the coordinator is, they come in and run the Alabama offense. They don't run the the Lane Kiffin or the Steve Sarkeesian or the Bill O'Brien offense. They they have to learn what the Alabama offense is, and they just kind of put in their own little wrinkles or some terminology differences. And, uh, but but as far as what we could see that's different this year than what's been different the last couple of years, I, I think Alabama has a pair of tight ends this year that are both uh, NFL-ready tight ends in Cameron Latou and Jaleel Billingsley. Latou is a guy who that, who's come on really strong. It started back in the spring practice when he, he scored a touchdown in all of the spring scrimmages, scored a touchdown during the 8A game. And he scored a touchdown in the first scrimmage of fall camp, you know, this past Saturday. So he's a guy who's coming on strong. Bill O'Brien coming from that NFL pedigree, uses the tight end a lot. We know his history with tight ends. So I think the two tight ends for Alabama are going to see a lot of action this year, which is a little bit different than what we've seen with, you know, the likes of Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Jalen Waddle, and Devontae Smith out wide. Maybe it's just a little bit different as far as who the ball's going to. Uh, you know, on a more consistent basis. That's that's the biggest difference to me. Uh, and, and, of course, the quarterback is a little bit different than what we had last year. He's more mobile. Um, you know, may see some more quarterback, you know, design quarterback runs. So th- those are going to be the two biggest differences that, I, that I'm, I'm looking to see this fall with Bill O'Brien. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, we're going to pause real quick for an ad break, but we'll be right back. All right, we're back on the Chase Notes podcast where I am joined by Stacy Blackwood of Roll Tide Wire. Stacy, what has been your favorite storyline to monitor with this team over the last few months? Uh, it, it's probably been how the offensive line is, is going to shake out. Uh, and we talked about that just a couple minutes ago. Uh, and right now there's, there's one spot open. That's the right tackle position. Evan Neal has been the right tackle. Now he's making the move to left tackle. Uh, senior Kendall Randolph has been the guy from the spring and so far through fall camp. But in the first scrimmage this past Saturday, he, he hurt his ankle. Uh, we have not learned the severity of that injury yet, but it's opened, opened the window for, for a sophomore Damian George or true freshman J.C. Latham to maybe come in and take over that right tackle spot. So that that's really the storyline to me of the fall. And if I had to pick another one, it would be Trey Sanders, the running back who – who was a five-star running back coming out of high school a couple of years ago, uh, was was really making some noise in fall camp, his true freshman season, hurts his ankle, has to miss the entire year, comes back last year, is starting to make some plays for this team, getting some meaningf- meaningful snaps you know, in that Tennessee game, in the Mississippi State game. Then he's involved in a car accident, which nearly takes away his athletic career, but now he is back and healthy. He performed well last Saturday in the scrimmage, catching a 20-yard touchdown pass. So th- those are really, you know, a feel-good story in Trey Sanders. And then, you know, as far as, as the team goes, figuring out what they're going to do on that right side of the offensive line at right tackle. Hmm. Who has been the biggest riser? Give me a surprise. Name a biggest riser in the spring and summer and a bi- in the biggest faller in the spring and summer. Uh, the big, biggest riser is Cameron Latou. I mentioned him a minute ago. He he really dominated spring practice and in the scrimmages and a day, uh, and he's do he's carried that over into the fall camp. So he's a guy who's really kind of bust onto the scene. And as far as a guy that's uh, kind of fallen off a little bit, uh, it's really hard to to pick one because you know Coach Saban doesn't really give out a lot of information like that, but. Uh, I would I would go with, you know, maybe and it's really not so much of his play, but it's just kind of injury luck. And that that's that's LeBron Ray. 
the guy is is a senior and he's battled injuries his entire career. Uh, he's he's out with a groin injury right now. He suffered that towards the end of the summer, so he hasn't you know really practiced yet during the fall. And he's he's a guy that when he's healthy, he's productive, but he's just not ever healthy. So uh, th- that's kind of a guy. It's unfortunate for him. Uh, fortunately for Alabama, though, there's about eight or nine other guys along the defensive line that can play. Uh, so, uh, it's unfortunate for LeBron Ray, but it, that would be the guy that's kind of, that stock has kind of declined a little bit, a little bit. And that's really just because of injury. Hmm. Um, who matches up worse for Bama in the SEC West this fall? Wow. Uh, I, I would say Ole Miss. I, I mean, that a tradition unlike any other. Yeah. It's, it's Lane Kiffin, man. I mean. I don't. I don't really know what else to say. Uh, you talked about Matt Corral. I think. I think he's the best quarterback in the SEC. Mm. I would take him over JT Daniels. I would take him over. You know, at this moment, over over Bryce Young. Uh, so you're talking about Lane Kiffin, one of the great offensive minds. He's got a great, experienced quarterback who has weapons. Jerry Ely is is one of the better running backs that nobody talks about in in the country. Mm. Now that defense is is a is is a huge question mark for them. They really can't stop anybody. So uh but but you know Lane's going to throw everything at coach Saban. Uh he, you know he wants to beat uh Nick there and it, it would make it even better for for uh, Lane if he done it there in Tuscaloosa. So that's really the game that that really bothers me the most. Uh uh, LSU and Texas A&M, Texas A&M have a lot of talent, but they, they also have a lot of question marks as well. So I, I'm going to go with Ole Miss just simply because of the Lane Kiffin factor. This schedule, um, it's it's just really, really tough. And it's hard. It, like, it's Alabama, so they're going to win the majority of these games. But like when I look at it and I look at the rest of the SEC right now, I just I see a lot of landmines on this Alabama schedule. I'm more concerned about this schedule than I've been in recent years. I think um, when you come off a national title run and the kind of run that Alabama went on last year, uh, you're not going to shed a lot of tears for this program. But I do think like opening with Miami, a good Miami team, um, it's huge. Like going to Florida in week three is just, it. that's a lot. Um, I think Ole Miss at home, like you said, that will help being the biggest thorn in their side. But Right after that, they're going to Texas A&M, going to Mississippi State. Um, you get Auburn on the road to end the season. Like this schedule looks like ten and two to me, and I just I really can't see Bama. I mean, I shouldn't say I can't see. I am leaning more towards just betting on the field in the West than I am on Bama doing that. And I mean, that might not matter and it might be better for them to avoid Georgia in the SEC title game or Florida, whoever gets out of the East. Um, when you look at the schedule, do you see 10 and two? Do you see a few losses that Alabama fans are not ready for? Well, anytime Alabama plays at Auburn, there, there's a great chance that, mm. that Auburn can get that upset. It's, it's just something about playing at Jordan Hare stadium. That's kind of been a thorn in the side of, of Alabama. Uh, so that that's always possible. Uh, playing at Texas A&M is not going to be an easy game. Uh, and then, like you mentioned, right after that, they're, they're heading to Mississippi State, uh, who I think is a team who could surprise some people this year. Uh, we all know that Mike Leach is uh, entering his second year, and if you look back at what he's done uh, at his previous stops, there's always a, a major roster turnover in that first 12 to 16 months that he's at a program. And then he starts getting his type of guys – and he starts turning that program around. So that that's a team to watch out for. So that's not going to be an easy stretch of games, you know, when you're talking about Ole Miss at home, at Texas A&M, and at Mississippi State. So that's a tough stretch. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to bet that Nick Saban goes 10-2 and two because that's just so rare that it happens uh, under Nick Saban. But eleven and one would not surprise me at all. Now, where that where that loss comes, it, it could be Ole Miss, it could be Texas A and M, it could be at Auburn. So eleven and one is probably what I would go with if I was predicting a, se- a regular season record for Alabama. I just it's it's hard for me to to fathom Nick Saban losing two games uh, in a, in a regular season. All right. Well, what can we check out from you across uh, the across your Twitter feed across? Roll Bama Wire, what, uh, what can we look out from you on the podcast front this week? Uh, let the fo- good folks know. 
Yeah, well, uh, you can you can find our podcast at Tide Talk Pod on Twitter. Uh, we're just going to be recapping everything that's happening in fall camp right now. Uh, my, my Twitter account is at Blackwood89. Uh, you can find me on Roll Tide Wire, which is a part of the USA Today Network, their, their college wire system where they're, you know, they're, they're putting out new teams, you know, all the time. Uh, I think there's about 16 college wires right now, and, and of course Alabama's one of them, and I'm, I'm excited to be writing about that and covering this team for, for Roll Tide Wire. It's a, it's, it's a great time to be able to be covering Alabama. Obviously, the, the, the Nick Saban dynasty has been something that we'll probably never see again, and uh, there's going to be a lot of sad people in the state of Alabama when, when Nick Saban hangs it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Who would you per- predict as the first Saban assistant to beat him? Oh wow! Uh, probably, probably, probably Kirby Smart. I mean, oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah if, if it happens, and if it's if it's going to be Kirby, it's going to be this year. I think this is Kirby's best shot. I mean, I, I'm thinking Alabama could go 11 and one uh, in the regular season, play Georgia, and if Georgia's on their A game, and 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 uh, Kirby could get it done this year. But if he don't get it done this year, then then I would probably go with Lane Kiffin. Man, he's He's always going to be throwing his best at Nick Saban, so it's it's tough because you know Jimbo has good teams at A and M, but his offensive line is going to be it, it's it's a real work in progress there. They they lost four or five starters there, so uh, not sure about their quarterback situation either. So that they have a lot of question marks as well. So I, I'm just uh, and you know Alabama really they dominated A and M last year. The final score was fifty two to twenty four. So I'm not sure that gap is. As, is as close as what some people are trying to make it out to be. I still think it's going to be an offensive guy. Like the Kirby stuff, I just don't think it's going to be a defensive assistant that ends up beating Saban. We've seen this before with the Hugh Freeze of the world where like the way to get Saban is the the unique offensive approach. And You're right. I don't I don't think it's gonna be Kirby. Like I think the the path for Kirby and Jimbo is a like taking that L and avoiding them in the SEC title game or avoiding them in the playoff. Like I don't I think they can still win a national title, but I think it's avoiding Saban. Um I think the 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 guy Saban loses to is a former assistant. Whether it's Sark next year when Texas is probably in the SEC, because I just I refuse to believe that the Texas Oklahoma situation just plays out over four years in the Big Twelve. Like there's just yeah, no that's way that happen. awkwardness is it's just not not a thing. You're, you're not you're not gonna you're not gonna st- keep living with your ex after you break up. That's that's not gonna happen. No, I mean it's gonna happen for a year because it's just yeah. too soon. But like I I just I think people who are wondering if that's gonna last uh throughout the 2025 or whatever the deal rents out. So I'm like I I would bet on Texas and Oklahoma being in the SEC next fall. That's yeah, that's me, what I would too. say. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see. But my guess it's Sark or um, Kiffin would be would be my guess at this moment. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much, Stacey. This has been great. Thank you so much for making the time today on this dreary Tuesday afternoon here in Knoxville. Uh, but thank you so much, and uh, let's talk again soon. Hey, I appreciate it, Chase. Have a good one, man. <laughs> Alright, the Tuesday night edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast rolls along where I'm now joined by a first-timer, Zach Allen of Dreamshake SBN, a very good Houston Rockets blog that you should go check out if you have not already. Zach, good evening, sir. How are you? I'm living, man. How about yourself, Chase? Not too bad, not too bad. Wrapped up an episode of F-Boy Island, the girl from before we started recording. So, uh, you know, if you have any reality television questions... I have got you covered. I am. I'm well versed now. Really, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, I only watch really like TV shows. So really, but like I'm watching something. I'm, watching, I'm probably watching like Raising Canaan. I'm probably watching Grownish. Okay. I'm probably watching Netflix series. You know what? I finished a really good Netflix series. I forgot what it was called. Sounds good. It sounds good. It's really. It's actually really good. It's a, yeah, I'm not sure if it's appropriate to say, but it's actually pretty good. You know, pretty good series. Uh, I would definitely send you to you in your DMs or whatever, and so you can see it. But my wife and I we enjoyed it. Um, pretty good show. Mm. Netflix can touch every now. And then. I just finished a movie called Bacon. Bacon was pretty good too as well. Bacon? No, Beckett. 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 What is that? It's with David Washington. Uh, you know, David Washington. You know, Denzel Washington's son. Oh, okay. His well, his girlfriend and him are basically you know they're never so they're in another country. They get in this car accident. He mm. he fell asleep while he's driving. 
wakes up one morning, she's not there no more. She was there in the car wreck, but then he woke up, was like, where's she at? Yeah. She's looking for he's looking for his girlfriend and um this boy will help him out. I don't know folks are shooting at him because he's he's basically involved inside of a little boy missing. He uh-huh. had no idea what was going on. So everybody's shooting at him and he's trying to find his girlfriend and it's just it's just a whirlwind, bro. I would never get into acting if I was Denzel Washington's kid. Really? Why not? I'm not following my father if my father's Denzel Washington. It's like the whole Michael Jordan thing where it's like his son's playing basketball is just an absolute mistake. Like, I would never do that. What you do is if they're an average person, like Steph taking over for Dell, it's like, I can I can beat my dad. I can be better than my dad in the NBA. Solid pro. I can be better. But like... <laughs> You can't do, you can't follow Denzel because there's no chance that you're going to be better than your dad. Like, there's no path to you being a better actor than your dad. There's no chance. He actually has that bad. I, I, I did enjoy the movie. I'm not saying he's bad, but like, you can't be that good. So I would just be yeah. so insecure that I'm like, am I close to what my dad was? Hey, man. Hey, man. As long as you put millions on a bank account for acting, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't care at all, man. So, mm-hmm. but like I said, check out Tenet. I think you'll like, and then uh, I've heard about I that. Yeah, Tennant and Black's Clanman was pretty good. I started watching him when he was in Ballers with The Rock, which mm. was pretty, which was a pretty decent HBO series. It should have been longer episodes for it to be better, but I did enjoy Ballers, which I've seen him in. Uh, he was playing like a wide receiver for the Miami Dolphins and got traded to the Patriots and so on and so on. Mm. But uh, it was a, you know, I like his career so far. Um, Michael B. Jordan's my guy, and uh, like he does make a bad movie. Yeah, man. What was you say? What again? No, I'm saying he doesn't make a bad movie. Like Michael B. Jordan, just uh, he only puts out classics. Like that guy is very selective. He only picks the right roles for him. He's like not. He's like I'm just gonna follow Coogler wherever he goes. The guy knows how to book me. I'm gonna do that. I mean, he only really has one bad role. And it's the Fantastic Four. That was this one mistake yeah, where he did that. that. Just gonna say that. Just gonna say that. That's it. But yeah, no, he's he's right there. And also just the name, Michael B. Jordan. He has to be Michael B. Jordan. Um, there's something to that name. There's something to that name, maybe. Anytime you have Michael Jordan in your name, you're pretty good. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, this man doesn't have Michael Jordan in his name, but Joel Embiid, still, still a pretty good center in my estimation. Yeah. Um, he got paid, and he's getting paid a lot of money in Philadelphia because he's still getting his current check. Um, that is an exorbitant amount of money. He's going to make an exorbitant amount of money after this extension kicks in next year. What do you, what do you make of Joel Embiid's extension in Philadelphia? And are you at all concerned about anything about it? Like, what do you, what do you make of it? No, I think it's a perfect fit for him in Philly. I think that, I mean, that's home for him. So I think Philadelphia will welcome him back with open arms. The extension is well-deserved. He's, he's proved his worth. He should have been, he could have been the MVP this year, but you know, injuries, uh, happen, you know, and I, you know, Jokic won, of course, but I mean, really, Jokic, my fault, Jokic, but I think, you know, B should have gotten MVP this year if it wasn't for the injuries. But so, like I said, he was, he proved his worth in the playoffs. You know, he, he's a good post up guy. He, he's able to put the ball on the ground from the perimeter. So, and he's a big man that, you know, he, he feeds off double teams. So, I, I it's just no brain to not give him attention. And plus, Darren Moore, he always takes care of his superstars and he, he always makes sure they get paid because. James Harden. So he's gonna make sure John B gets paid. But uh, you know the whole drama between him and Ben Simmons or Ben Simmons in general, man, it's just it's just a whirlwind right now. I just like the, he has a player option of fifty four point two two million in twenty twenty six twenty twenty seven. Um, he's gonna take that. But like there, I would just be like I'm not doing a podcast anymore if Joel Embiid is still worth fifty four million in twenty twenty six. Like. I just, the thing that scares me about him is he's so good now and he's so ready now, but he just played with a torn meniscus. We know about his history. Like, I just, I don't see this man being healthy three years from now. Like, I'm, like, the cynic in me would just be terrified of giving, but like, at the same time, he's the most important figure on your team. He's the guy. He is the ultimate, like, the city loves him. You have to do right by him. He's your biggest star since Iverson. Like, he can get you to the finals if you build the right team around him. He is doing everything. Like, he's playing hurt for you. Like, he is literally playing hurt to do everything for your team. He's unguardable, having just watched my team play him in a seven-game series. Like, he is 
everything you want in a bit like he's just a rare big now like he is someone who you can actually build your offense around and build a championship contender around because there are just not many bigs like him anymore but like the idea that he is going like this is going to be a good contract at the end of it i just i don't think so like this is going to take him through 2025 2026 like a lot can change between now and then so i don't know i just think that there's a strong possibility for me that this contract looked atrocious four years from now i understand that he, he was he was you know i think what would help what could help him be is basically rehabbing you know not mm-hmm. just him rehabbing, but making sure you're training properly during the summertime because he had he, because he has had a, had an injury uh, a history with the 76ers that's why it's important to put the right foot around him and making mm-hmm. sure he's taking care of his body well definitely eating correctly i remember him eating hamburger before the game started uh, years ago, you know, when he was maybe his second year in the league, he was oh, third year in the league, he was caught eating hamburgers on the training table, and that was probably the reasons why he couldn't stay on the floor as much. He wasn't in shape. Love Shirley but Temples. That too, <laughs> and you got to be able to. It's just, it's just important to make sure you take care of your body because you're playing so many games and you're doing so many practices. And you know, I think if it was a full NBA season, I think he would have probably stayed. You know, healthy-ish, in one MVP like 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 I just said, but the, everybody this year got injured because the season was so crunched up in seventy-two games. These guys are going back and forth from city to city. You no, know, back you no, know, the nights they want to have back-to-back nights, but practices where they really couldn't get really informed into the system. It definitely were trading. So you know, a lot of guys were getting injured besides Justin beat. But I do, I do, I do understand your point. You know. It could be, you know, I'm, you're thinking far, 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 far ahead in the future, man. We just worried about right now. Yeah. <laughs> and I, just, yeah I understand you're worried about injuries and stuff like that, but I, I just think, you know, I'm pretty sure Doc Rivers will make sure, you know, because he's had a, because Doc Rivers has had players get injury prone, had injury prone players on his roster. You know, Blake Griffin, of course, Chris Paul, you know, those guys have, you know, his last two, three years in L.A. with those guys. Well, I was say two last three years, but in their last what, two seasons with him, they weren't ever healthy. And so I think what Doc has to do is what they're doing. What they're doing pretty well is they're, they're, they're building depth. Um, and that's what you need to do for a guy like Joe. If Joel goes down, okay, I can count on maybe a guy like Tyrese Maxey. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Tobias Harris was pretty good. Uh, I, I'm... I'd say his name right, Tobias Harris. Make sure. it, yeah, no, it's Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris. Yeah, he's, Tennessee he's, legend, Tobias Harris. Yes, I, I have a friend named Tobias. His name is Tobias Bass. I almost, I get the confused sometimes. You actually know Tobias in real life. There's not many of them. No, there's not really many Tobias. There's, there's, there's probably like, I think two more. And I, um, I think there's an old one. Uh, I never won. I don't know that I lied. But like I said, I think, you know, if, he's playing better basketball. I think they try to trade him to the Rockets, which I covered. So, uh, I, I mean, you know, I just think Joel has to do everything proper, like getting a right, you know, eating coach, rehabbing. You have to make sure you take care of your knee. That man torn meniscus, so that he has time to actually heal his. He has time for his knee to heal over the summer. So, I think you know, don't be too pessimistic about Joel Embiid because I think he'll be pretty good in the future, man. I just. Like, he would never agree to it, but, like, the one-on-ones that Kawhi is doing, like, I would take the Kawhi approach to him. Like, just the, we are going to put the best possible team around you right now. I mean, he's, I think, three years younger than Kawhi at the moment, but, like, it's the same kind of thing, where it's, like, we're going to surround you with Paul George, Reggie Jackson, guys who are ready to win now, but, like, we're not going to give you five years. Like, we don't know if you'll be able to not walk like Kevin McHale in five years. Like, I have no idea. Like, I I just, I would do one for one over and over again. I'm like, I will pay you 50 million. Like, I wish you, they could do that, of just being like, we will pay you whatever you want for the next, like, year to year. We will max you out year to year, but, like, we got to see what this knee looks like and these feet look like two years from now. But, like you said, this is still something you gotta you just gotta do um for right now because it's joel Embiid and he's mvp an mvp candidate um bledsoe now back in los angeles we don't have to photoshop any jersey swaps for eric bledsoe pat bev gets moved again after tweeting out grit and grind and getting excited about memphis who he really did feel like a memphis type player 
but he's moving to um to minnesota where i think he actually has history with rosas when rosas was back in houston years ago and pat bev got his start in houston which feels like forever ago now but i like the fit for all involved like i like culver getting an opportunity to reset in memphis i like pat bev being just a like a defensive whiz for this Minnesota team that needs competent defenders on this roster outside of Josh Okogie. So I think I like that fit a lot there. And then I like Bledsoe just being someone that the Clippers can actually count on and it not be Luke Kennard and it not be Reggie Jackson or just be like, oh, now we have an answer here where we don't have to keep throwing shit at the wall and just hope that we can piece together this league guard rotation and give give us somebody we trust, like a vet that can that can play and especially get us through these several months, maybe six months without Kawhi. What do you think? Well, I, I like Reggie Jackson a lot too. Mm-hmm. He, had a, he had a great playoffs. Yeah. But Eric, Eric Bledsoe, I think, you know, when they, they trade, everybody wasn't a big fan of the trade. I, was, I know I wasn't. Cause I'm like, we traded all of this for Eric Bledsoe. Like, why would we give up Rondo Rondo, maybe Patrick Beverly, and then another cap that they gave as well, including, including a draft pick. But when you think about it, you, I, I, summer league, right, I think they're liking, you know, scrub, of course, they're liking Boston, mm. of course, and another cat as well. That uh, oh yeah, Keon Johnson. They like they like how these three guys are playing. So I think they're confident in getting rid of the, you know a much older guy like Rondo. I, I, just not to get off topic. If I was, I'm just saying, if I was the Milwaukee Bucks, right, mm. I would try to do everything to get Roger Rondo. But back up, but 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 back on topic, right? Mm. Uh, I, I like the fit for Culver. Like we both agree, like Culver is a perfect fit for. That young core in Memphis, like whoever, whatever that Memphis front office is doing, is off to a great job because mm-hmm. they're getting more debt and they're building more younger talent in that roster and for them to grow. And I think you know between the Grizzlies, the the Pacers, and the Rockets will be really really scary within the next what, four to five years from now. It could be it could be three, but cause I like Chris Dorton. He's pretty he's pretty, pretty good uh, for the Pacers, but. Uh, like I said, I think, you know, you're putting Jared Colbert, Hernandez. Hernandez is a pretty good versatile guy, but you can space the floor out with maybe a decent shooter. Uh, I wouldn't say energy, energy guy, but it's a good body to have on the floor out there. You're adding more depth. Steven Adams is there now, so you're getting more of a veteran presence. You're putting Patrick Beverly in Minnesota, which they need a veteran leader badly. I mean, yeah, uh, Carl Anthony Towns is a good leader, right? But Patrick Beverly is a veteran that who's been in who's been in who's been in like Western Conference Finals, who's been in playoff games, who has all this experience, a really great defender, really a nag, he's really a nag. So he's gonna and then this actually shows more focus around Anthony Edwards, you know, mm-hmm. they passing the torch for him. So you know, you, you they, yeah, I think they have their starting point because I'm pretty sure they traded Rubio to the Cavs. Yeah, sure. Rubio is the yeah, he's the backup point guard in Cleveland now. Yeah, it's, 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 he is he is around more than ever. But um, I, I like the whole fit what was going on. But I just think the, the Clippers organization trusts those three guys, but they have on a summer league team, and they're probably going to give them some decent minutes. Maybe Boston is sent to the G League a, a couple of times, but Jay Scrub is ready to go. I think Keon Johnson will get minutes there and there for the Clippers. Uh, but I, I just think uh, you know. The, the the Grizzlies, man, that front office needs and it needs a pat in their back, man, because whatever they're doing, like I said, man, they're off to. They're, I mean, they're, they're doing a good job because John Morant, you know, you you see how those guys playing, you see how those guys playing the playoffs. They were able to to win the first game against what Utah Jazz, even though you know Davion Davion Mitchell wasn't there, uh, you know, he wasn't there, D Mitchell wasn't there, right? But I think they, I think they, and they, they, they I think they won a game two, a game three. I think it was his game series. I think. Mm. But uh, it was a pretty interesting series. But you adding more talent to that man makes him much scarier for the future, bro. Absolutely. Um, let's talk about your team, the Houston Rockets. Team you cover, Jalen Green, obviously in the news for what he said about the number one, number two pick. We'll get to that in a second. But in terms of actually on the court and what you've seen from your new Ennis Cantor as well, along with with Jalen Green, like what have you seen out of this summer league group from Houston and? What uh, what what are your takeaways thus far from Green and uh, the young guys in Houston now? Man, I love it. I love everything about it. Um, you know, I, I thought, when I think about our squad, I think about the OKC Thunder from you know 2009 to 2012. You know, James Harden, Russell Westbrook got to the Thunder team around 09, right? Took them three years to get to the NBA Finals. 
you know, the West is so tough, but, um, you know, we have Kevin Ford Jr., we have Christian Wood, and, you know, the, the coaching staff, the front office is really excited about, you know, adding more young court and getting more depth because we dealt with a lot of injuries last year. Um, we had to basically just pull players from everywhere from, you know, different teams just to, just to, just to, just to add people on our roster and build pretty good talent throughout the season. You know, like Armani Brooks, he shot nine triples in, you know, in the last, what, you know, nine triples, 30 points in the whole entire game, and they had a 12-2 run and beat the Blazers. Um, behind him, you know, uh, Alvin Sagan, man, he's an amazing, versatile senator. Like, he's uh, not that very athletic, but extremely good. He's going to be a nuisance. He's, he's pretty good against the line because he has a slow body motion, and he's very patient. He knows how to pump the guy and get to the line, which you need that. And, you know, if you're definitely, if you're, he's, definitely a, he's definitely a rocket if you can get to the free line, if you know what I mean, man. Uh, Jalen Green, man, he's, you know, we'll talk about the comments, like you said, but he's had a, you know, a terrific summer league. He's proven everything that he was worth. The number two pick should have been number, could have been number one, but number two pick, right? Do he had an amazing summer league? Like, he showed scoring at all levels, right? From three levels, from able to put the ball on the ground, from able to do drive bys, from able to pull up, from able to do step backs. So, He's proven everything that he was worth, and he's actually been a good defender in the summer league. Now, it has to transition to the NBA because it's going to get tougher. It's not just, you know, summer league because you're playing against guys who are making the team or guys where, you know, you might not see them no more. But you're going to you're going against NBA vets who can, you know, who are very versatile with the ball. You know, can you play demons on a higher level? Now, that's the that's the big, big question, right? Uh What's a, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just the fact that what would the Rockets do with this roster, right? So much talent. Training camp, I promise you, bro, it will be so intense because you're going to have guys fighting for minutes because Silas has his hands full of saying, like, man, what, who am I going to put in the court? Now, I already know who's going to go in the court. Of course, John Wall. Wish we could buy him out, but we can't. John Wall has to play. Jay Chante has to play. Uh-huh. Christian Wood has to play. They think, you know, so the athletic reporter, Daniel Tyler, will start. So, you know, how does Jalen fit with John Wall? How do their how do their skill sets work? Because we haven't seen it yet. John Wall obviously not playing in summer league. So how do they, based on what you've seen from Green, how will they work on the court this at this fall? I want to see. I want to see if John Wall will take a step back and let and let you know Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. take off. You know, I want to see and you want to see who's actually going to bring the ball to the court. I'm pretty sure John Wall is the point guard, man. Come on, man. Kevin, as long as John Wall is there, bro, you I mean, if, unless he's not on the court, he's the number one guy. He's going to dribble the ball up. He's more experienced. You're going to put off the ball. You're going to take turns. Jenny Green can put off the ball, on the ball. So that's the best thing about him. It, it, it's so hard to find guys who can put off the ball. Jalen Green and Kevin Point Jr. can do that. They can put off the ball. John Wall can kind of put off the ball. So... I, I want to see if John Wall took a step back and let Kevin Boyd Jr. and John Wall, I don't know, if Kevin Boyd Jr. and Jalen Green can do most of the scoring while he's be while while he's just a distributor, leader, guy who puts guys in place to score, just just being a point guard, you know, and, and, and still getting his buckets, but just not trying to always play hero ball. That's the biggest thing about John Wall. Like, will he take a step back and not play hero ball and let guys like Jalen Green? But probably take that take take that shot at playing hero ball a little bit because I mean he's made terrific shots he's made unbelievable shots like superstar shots like when you're able to just throw up a shot lean into your left shoot the ball you're, you can be a superstar in the league because they only make shots like that which is ridiculous man. Did you see enough from Steven Silas last year to believe that he is up for developing Jalen Green into the next superstar in Houston? Of course, man. He's worked with a lot of guys. Steph Curry, LeBron James, he's always brought up that Baron Davis. Um, you know, he's a very patient coach, a very smart, intelligent coach. Organically, man, he can draw X's and O's in the back of his head and put guys in, in different positions on the court from the top of the key from the bottom of the key. He's going to know what to do. But like I said, his biggest problem right now, and it's a good problem, is rotation minutes. Like who's going to get the minutes? Like he's mm. going to make sure earn their minutes. Like who are like the biggest the battles best. right now when you look at it? When you look at the rotation and what it's going to look like, who who are you thinking most about? 
I'm pretty sure Alfin is definitely it's a gun. And even though he's had a great summer league, he's definitely fighting. I think Josh Christopher will go to the G League a little bit. But I can see Josh Christopher gets some minutes. I'm pretty sure. I'm 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 really curious about DJ Augustine. Will they play him a lot this year? I don't know. Um, will he be just a veteran guy that's talking on the bench? He could be. It could be possible. I think it's just time to maybe take a step back and you know take less minutes. Uh, Air Gordon's a huge question mark. He's going to play regardless. <laughs> John Wall and Air Gordon going to play regardless. Those are vets. You, you need mm. those two guys. Well, I'm just saying, like, are they a part of the long term? Like, do you think Eric Gordon gets moved? Like. Wall is going to be a little bit more difficult, but like Eric Gordon, I'm just, I'm curious if he gets moved. I think Eric Gordon get moved by All-Star break because his okay. contract will be better. I think John Wall gets moved next summer. We got to mm-hmm. do another year with John Wall, which is okay. Um, I think he will be playing with Bowden and a chip in the shoulder um, to prove to people that I am a good NBA player. I can play, so he's going to have a lot to prove. What about uh, Kyrie Thomas? Kyrie Thomas, I think his minutes might shrink. I think I think KJ Martin, Kyrie Thomas, I think Alvin's a gun. Uh, I think those three guys are fighting for minutes right now. I'm pretty sure Jason Tate's minutes are good. Mm-hmm. He's gonna get his minutes because he proved last year that he can play everywhere on the court, and he was first team rookie. Yeah. So why would he not get minutes? Uh, Just too good of a defender. Um, yeah, Just, really good yeah. defender. Really good defender, bro. Now you Big got Daniel body. Tice, so the the West is yours. Yeah, he actually get to start this year. That's really he's gonna start. And <laughs> Do you I, like that fit with him in Wood? I like it because he's, he's, he's a veteran. He knows how to set picks. He knows how to position his body, rebound, energy guy, knows what he's doing. And he's actually he's trying to shoot more threes, which is pretty interesting. Um, another thing that, that's interesting is Daniel House. Mm-hmm. I think, well, what are, is he fighting for minutes too? There's this thing about giving him an extension. Which is weird to me. I, I'm pretty sure three guys. But if I was, you know, Eli, I would try my, I would try my best to see if I can, you know, they, they like being house because I personally like they, they, they like house because he's young. You mm. know what I mean? So he's a young guy, you know, energy guy. You know, he makes key buckets when it's supposed to. But then there's times where I'm not a fan where we're going ten to run, or twelve to run, or whatever run we go. And he misses a shot and the run, the guy go down, you know, whoever scores and the momentum's dead. He's a he's a momentum killer, you know what I mean? So uh David his never got David Wobble with what his man's gonna look like. He got extension. So they got all these guys, they got to bring him back, uh, they wanna play. And he was pretty good last too with the Rockets, you know, good defender, um, pretty good in transition. But um you know, I see, you know, David, David Nwaba, he's an injured guy. Like, this is going to be an intense training camp. But you guys might be throwing hands in camp. I appreciate sure <laughs> We'll gonna see. Be a good it's going to be a good camp, man. Um, did you have any problems with what Jalen Creed said about Detroit and that whole situation? Do you think it was overblown? Jalen chimed in on it today. Like, what do you, what do you make of everything that was said? I thought it was funny. <laughs> but uh, I like the fact, I like how Jalen Rose responded to it, though. You know, he's a, he's a Detroit native, you mm-hmm. know, old guy. Old, old Jalen, I was listening to a podcast earlier about what, what Jalen Rose was like when he was playing NBA basketball in college. He talked talk noise. This was an old Jalen Rose. He probably would talk some noise because that's the city. But Detroit, man, like, Jalen Green wanted to be there, number one pick. I think he wanted to go number one. Mm-hmm. But I, I think he should have just kept his tongue kind of like, you know, because karma sucks, bro. Like, karma sucks, bro. You don't want to go have your worst night in a city that you just dissed. I mean, I'm pretty sure they're going to boo you and you're going to get over it, but you don't want to have your worst night and then get, you know, the upper hand, like Kate Cunningham wins that battle that night, you lose. There's some comments I wish you never walked into. I thought it was funny. He's an NBA player. Uh, he's trying to put a bad villain, but I, I'm pretty sure, you know, the coaches called him or somebody, you know, I wish he never walked into a crap. I don't pretty sure, I don't know if Chris Green Hings set that trap up, mm. but I wish he never said that and walked into a trap if it was a trap. Because the media can, do, I mean, I'm, I'm media too, but I, I'm a good guy. Right, I'm not going to put you in a trap because karma sucks and you don't want to regret what you say. In, in the future, man. That's all it is, man. Yeah. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Marcus Smart, do you like the extension for Boston? It looked like he was maybe going to get moved the last few weeks. Didn't get moved. Instead, gets an extension. I was talking to Mark Murphy of the Boston Herald yesterday. And the plan is for him to transition to more of a league guard role and be on the ball a lot more, especially with uh, Kimba being out of there and taking some of the pressure off Tatum and Brown. I I don't know. Peyton Pritchard showed out in summer league, so he's probably going to get a, more opportunities to <laughs> be the lead ball handler. But like, I I'm terrified of this. Like, I think Marcus Smart's a dude you like to have, but I don't know if you can transition him back to a lead guard and have Schroeder off the bench and him come in and get those twenty four to thirty minutes. Like that guy lost a bunch of money in the last year, but um, I don't know. I I don't know if I like how they're like i like the extension and keeping him around and mark and smart is an important player on a contender i just don't know if the way they're going to use him now is the way i would use him at this point because i think this is just going to lead to more marcus smart shots which is not a not a good thing you know i like marcus smart i'm Mm. pretty sure if we can get him here in houston i think we would love that man Mm. i think we should be optimistic about marcus smart because he's Pretty good player, man. He's made some good shots. Now, back in the day, he used to take some bad shots. But you can tell over time, in the last two, three years, he's working a shot. He's able to hit those shots now, which is really impressive, man. Really good defender. Really intelligent guy. Knows his moments. Not afraid of the moments. You know, he's a guy that can take a shot, and you'll be okay with it because he can make it now. Uh, man, I, I like Marcus Smart, you know, playing the one. I mean, so let's let's be you know let's this this Boston Celtics you know starting five. Let's say Marcus at the one, right? You got Tatum at the two. You got well Tatum or Brown at the two or three. So that's yes, that's one area right there. You got uh, Horford back, so he's at the one. So I mean Dennis six man, I guess probably he'll probably go back to playing some six man again, and the fourth guy. Uh, what you want to do, Robert Williams? I mean, that's, that's a good one-two punch. He's very, he's a very, you know, athletic guy that can run the court. But uh, Marcus Smart, man, he like I said, he's a good playmaker, good passer, could put guys in, guys position to score. You know, if I, I think Marcus Smart than Dan Schroeder by far, and so mm-hmm. he deserves. And then Boston Warriors, they love him. You know, Danny Ainge loved him. Uh, of course, Brad Stevens did. That's why he gave my extension. Um, and I think you know uh, the, I don't want to I want I don't want to butcher the new coach's name, but I think, there you go. Mm. I think I think he would want him there because he's a guy that adds that grit and that grind. Right? He's a guy that will get in your best player's face and talk all the noise, and he's not scared of nobody. Doesn't back down to nobody, and he's like a he's a better version of Patrick. But he's a like a no. He's a better version of Patrick Beverly. Yeah. I, I would agree. Um, last thing, and we'll wrap up here. Uh, Josh Hart got an extension. They kept him around in New Orleans. Another Speaking of just another vet getting paid, another smart contract where a lot of these guys, like the Evan Fournier's, um, the Josh Hart's, the Marcus Smart's, guys that you could see playing in the final five on good teams, getting paid yeah. and just being another piece and a guy you can move if you need to. But Josh Hart sticking around for a little bit longer because that New Orleans team, they need shooting and Josh Hart is one of the more reliable shooters. And I think this was a must do for, for David Griffin, because I still have a lot of questions about if this new Orleans team, like their defense sucked last year with Van Gundy. And that was part of the reason they, he got uh, just fired and they mutually parted ways because they just tuned him out and it didn't work. Talking, so, dude. He's a, Van Gundy is a deep, I don't know if it's his brother him, but between those two, I think I think it's Stan. Stan. I know he's Jeff. Jeff's a better defense coach than he is. But uh, Stan, you know, he's a like like Reddick said a long time ago. His style his style of play is a little you know downplayed now. It's different. Guys are younger, mm. uh, coaching a new new era. So yeah, he's out the door. I think he was. I think he couldn't get to the players. And of course, Zion, they have Zion Williamson there, and they want to win now. Of course, with a guy like Zion, you know. Uh, I just don't know how that's going to work. You just brought in Devonte Graham. In a sign and trade, so we'll see how that works. But like they're going to run into next year with the starting backcourt of Devontae Graham and Nikhil Alexander Walker. Like Jonas that's Valanciunas, a good, that's a good backcourt, bro. That's that, a good backcourt. I it's like it's good offensively. They're going to get torched. 
like that backcourt is getting torched in the West. Like, I don't know who they're defending in this group. And if Valanciunas is also starting with them, like they're going to be putting in pick and roll coverage constantly. Like, I just, I don't know how that's going to look. I mean, Jackson Hayes probably needs to play a lot more, but yeah, I don't know. I do not like this Pelicans roster at all. Uh, I think, you know, Valanciunas is not a good defender on pick and roll. Mm. Uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a pretty good scorer for what he does. Uh, I, I really, I really do like, um, Jackson Hayes, I like Josh Hart. And I think those guys will get some serious minutes because they can play really good defense. Josh Hart is a really, you know, grind guy, three-year extension. Kind of weird deal how you got a three-year deal. He's more of a two-year guy, but somebody trusts Josh Hart, and that's pretty cool. You know, he played in L.A. for a little bit with LeBron and, of course, over the time with Brandon Ingram and stuff like that. But I think they're really depending on, on, on Brandon Ingram to step up, Zion Williams to step up. If you can have him playing more pick and roll coverage instead of instead, instead of Valanciunas, um, you know that, that, that's a heartbreaker. Like now, Nikhil Alexander, man, I do like him. I, I liked him last year, and I'm like, man, look, I'll give you, I'll give you Eric Gordon. Even though know, trade on make sense cap rock cap wise, man, I'll give you Eric Gordon for Nikhil Alexander. Sending Eric uh, Gordon back to New Orleans. Oh, he didn't well, want to go there the first time. Oh man, I know, but I mean, hey man, give me this. What give do you have against guys. Eric Gordon? You're just making him go back to where he doesn't want to be. Who can forget that? Uh, do you remember that trade photo with the Chris Paul trade where he's holding the jersey? Um, wasn't it Chris Kamen, him? I'm trying to think who else was in that photo. It was one of the saddest team photos after a new trade I've ever seen. Um, but let me read this to you. So the starting five last year for the Pelicans, Lonzo, mm-hmm. um, Bledsoe, Ingram, Zion, Stephen Adams. As of right now, next year, Devontae Graham, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Ingram, Williamson, Valanciunas. Is this not a worse team? Like, in your closing five, is this not a worse group than what they had last year that got somebody fired and did not make the playoffs? Like, this is a worse team to me. I think, I think, I want to say they're worse, but I think Eric Bledsoe wasn't a good team in general. He's a guy that's trying to prove something when I think his time is really on the bench and he was starting. So that's why I probably would think that that's his job. You're giving guys like Nikhil Alexander a chance. Yeah, well, they, I don't do I think the Pelicans need all the TV coverage. Hell no. Stop giving them TV coverage for more. Please stop giving them TV Stop putting them on TNT and ESPN. Like, like come on, man. I mean, give they have Zion Williamson. He's a freak. He's a great player, man. But, man, you, I think we should have more TV, TV exposure than they, than they should. But... Uh, Lonzo Ball going to Chicago, man. I mean, you know, I I do like I think Lonzo's better than you know Devontae Adams because he can play defense and he's starting to come along as a scorer now. Um, but I, I think this Pelicans team, you know, won't be like you say it won't be the best, but they'll they'll be a they'll be a decent team where they can play basketball and win some good games. Just, it, 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 it it just depends who they're playing tonight, the the game plan and how they're coaching. And how hard they want to win, and and, and that's a, and that's what it is, man. I don't know. I I'm ra- I have a strong raised eyebrow about the Pelicans right now. I, I'm not a believer in where they're going and what's happening there. I'm gonna bet against them. I I think it's gonna get uglier with Zion and Ingram. I I do not believe in this group. The West is too stacked. You cannot yeah. be running out with this group and expect to keep Zion happy. This is not the look for me. Yeah, they're probably gonna fire David Griffin real. You know, I I think. If nothing goes right this year and they miss the playoffs again, which they probably are, they're going to fire David Griffin. Simple as that. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, what can we check out from you, Zach, across Dream Shake and everywhere else this week? Dude, uh, I'm trying to work on an article right now. It's just been so crazy. Same. Uh, Once I get done here, I'm, I'm hopping back too. The grind never stops. Yeah, it never stops. I'm just a little tired tonight. I'm trying to get it wrapped up tonight. Uh, working on the podcast myself in the future. Um, but as of right now, um, but a guy named James Percy, um, covers the wolves up there. So I guess we're going to do a, he's, he's a big Rockets guy too. So we're probably going to do a podcast in the future. Just got to get some things handled real quick. Um, long day for me. Uh, a little tired. I probably won't work at night cause I'm, I'm trying to hold my eyes open. Like, I love that you're right this now. honest. I've never had anyone this honest about like, dude, I'm not going to lie. I, I'm really tired for your podcast tonight. I'm really tired. <laughs> I had a long, a long day, man. Sleepy, 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 mm-hmm. sleepy. So, uh, 
I still want to make time for this podcast. It was a great podcast, but we had a good conversation. Well, I appreciate but, uh, that, man. Yeah, man. But uh, like I said, I have an article coming out soon. Just got to, you know, finish it. Hopefully, I can finish it by Thursday. Mm. Uh, get it out to my editor by Friday, and, and you know, we'll, we'll go from there, right? Well, you got some time. You got some time. I'm losing it because I, I start graduate school again the next semester tomorrow. So we're back. I've gotten used to this summer vacation. I've gotten used to not uh, not spending all my my hours or my free time at the library. So that's back in it as well. Yeah. And then we have NBA basketball in two months. Like it's right around the corner. Yeah, right now, man, it's trying to, it's, it's really time to, I want to say go on vacation for me. Mm. The grind never stops. You know, you're always trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, press conference wise, trying to figure out what's new, what's going on, you know, Eric Gordon rumors, will they, will they come up again? So right now, I, I, I might go on a little vacation right now. Uh, I have this article, I'm going to go do a little vacation. Uh, stay, keep my eyes on the street, probably put some stuff out still, because mm-hmm. you got you to put stuff out to be for your viewers. Um, but as of right now, man, I'm just going to, you know, enjoy my family and, you know, after this article and just, focus on what i got going on right now all right we'll do that that's always a good thing um thank you so much man i appreciate it we'll have to talk nba again soon please do man you got my dm man nicely done nephew chase thomas podcast hell yeah